you've made it to SpriceSpace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the SpriceSpace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, everyone, and welcome Welcome to the Sprice Space Podcast. I'm Lacey, and today I have our lead digital strategist, Adrian, here with us. We've also got a special guest on the podcast today that we're excited about. Brett Dillahunt is here. Brent founded a Facebook group and a nonprofit called Mustangs for Mustangs. And he also has a very special connection to Adrian. He was Adrian's high school history teacher. Is that right? Yes. That is correct. <laughs> Well, it is it is so nice to have you here. Adrian, do you mind kind of introing Brett just a little bit? Tell us a little bit about um, who he is and um, why you thought of bringing him on for Social Media for Good. Yeah, well, I mean, I had an amazing experience in high school, Mr. Delahunt, as my teacher and uh, just an awesome history teacher. Makes everything fun and makes learning fun, you know, the best kind of teacher. Uh, but, you know, after you go to college and you kind of go out on your own and and it's kind of that sadness of like, you know, your, your high school, all the, all your mentors and everybody kind of just fades into the background as you go out into your life. And, um, but with social media, you know, that isn't really the case anymore. But, but so, you know, I was able to reconnect with from high school and, and my teachers, but then I noticed something seven years ago about, it's kind of nuts that it's already seven years, but I noticed Mustangs for Mustangs in my newsfeed because, you know, I'm still friends with many people from my hometown and, uh, and so I, I saw these posts from Mustangs for Mustangs popping up, and I saw Brett uh, talking about Mustangs for Mustangs, and I've just been following it, you know, the, following their journey through the years. Uh, you know, the most amazing part of Mustangs for Mustangs is that I grew up in this town, Prosser, and it's just so impactful to see, like, the real stories of, of how uh, Mustangs for Mustangs changes people's lives and, and you know, helps helps out and needed areas. So it's kind of just like this tangible work that I could see happening in my community. And so that's why I thought, oh my gosh, Brett, we have to have him on for social media for good because every ounce, uh, everything I, I see from Brett and from Mustangs for Mustangs is like the epitome of social media for good. Yeah. I got a five. We were just talking about, you know, bragging about our AP scores, <laughs> Lacey and I. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although the one I'm the most proud of is my three in Spanish because I definitely thought I was going to fail that one and I got a three and I was so happy. Although I've, I, it's all gone out my brain, but I need to, <laughs> I need to like re download an app or something because I feel like I could dip my brain. We'll start working on it on the side. Yeah. I, could, I could do it with you. Okay. So I always like to, before we get into the meat of everything we're going to talk about today, I always like to ask if there is a piece of social media content this week that you consumed that brought you joy. So, Brett, do you have anything from the week that you uh, consumed that brought you a little bit of joy? Well, I know this is going to seem like a cliche answer for sure, but um, <laughs> but I have to say the the cat lawyer. Uh, oh just, yeah, just that was a good one. <laughs> just because it shows, you know, how how perfectly human everybody is, and everybody's just doing the best they can. And how sometimes the best you can is hilarious. <laughs> 
Oh, that's a good answer. All right. Well, Adrian gave us a little bit of a background on the group, but why don't you kind of give us from the beginning, Brett, give us just some background on the group, the nonprofit you started Mustangs for Mustangs, what it's called, when it was formed, and then we'll kind of go on from there. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for having me, first of all. Um, it's, it's not often that you get the opportunity to just reflect a little bit on, uh, on the journey you've been on, as well as uh, how you got to this point. And so uh, it's, it's really nice to have this conversation. Um, I've been teaching in Prosser, a small town in South Central Washington, for almost 30 years. And, uh, and I had taught here for over 20 years before I started this group. And uh, it started almost completely by accident, in that I uh, was just sitting on my couch one day trying to figure out uh, how I could organize a few of my friends into into like a rapid response team that could help people that had emergency needs. Um, Prosser's a fairly poor community, and so there are a lot of just economic uh, need that's out there. Uh, and so I, I wanted to do something. And as soon as we started it, as soon as we called it Mustangs for Mustangs and we, we posted it up, uh, within a month there was 1,500 members. It, it just snowballed quickly. And so we realized that we had something going here. We had an opportunity, and uh, we had to kind of build it in progress. Um, A lot of other people jumped on. I always tell people I I can't take credit for Mustangs for Mustangs. I just get the privilege to operate it. And so we had a a former student who uh, is a nonprofit lawyer and managed to draw up the paperwork and get us approved by the IRS. We had someone who works with digital media who showed up to help us build our website and to, to get us uh, to get us out there. Uh, another person who a, runs a printing design company designed our stationery for free. Everybody contributed talents to, to build this as it went. And it evolved into something that offered people help in six key areas, which is primary housing, uh, food security, which is a huge problem in our area, Medical need, uh, utility assistance, which is huge right now in the wintertime, uh, as well as personal safety, including domestic violence and homelessness. And then uh, last but not least, primary transportation. So when you started this out, how over time has the purpose evolved? You know, has the, has the purpose stayed pretty consistent to what you imagined it would be? Or has the group kind of evolved and taken on a life of its own? Um. It's safe to say I had no idea what I was in for. Um, there was no way to, to tell what this would be like um, and uh, how it would evolve and grow over time. It has stayed fairly consistent to its purpose of helping people, but the skills of being able to use a social media network of people, uh, to use the connections themselves, to facilitate that help in a timely fashion when it's most needed by people that are in emergency situations. Um, that's the skill I didn't walk in with that I had to develop just through experience. And that's kind of where the group went from that. But in addition to that, the people that participate on a regular basis, the people that help me with facilitating a lot of emergency need, they've gotten better at it also. They now know what to look for and have some training and experience and how to participate. And that's just multiplied our effect. I will say as, as, because I don't live in Prosser, you know, anymore. And there was a time where I kind of just didn't really look at Facebook. Everyone kind of has these, like, I feel like people have these like ebbs and these flows of using social platforms, which I kind of have theories on. Like sometimes, you know, you'll just be on Instagram more and you won't even look at Facebook or you won't um, go over to TikTok forever and lose your mind um, <laughs> or, or whatever. But um, but I've noticed um, throughout time, because I think I've been part of the group since probably the Probably the very beginning, very, very early, I joined in because I'm a Mustang and there's that kind of that like hometown pride of being a Mustang that I feel like a lot of people just have. But 
I've noticed that there have been a few conversations that Brett just dealt with like diplomatically and just like beautifully. Like there's never, I've never seen like any like fights or anything, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but I just feel like there, there definitely have been times where, um, you know, Brett will come in and say, you know what, we don't talk about this on this page or please, please refer to our rules we're not going to post this anymore. But it's kind of like I've noticed that every once in a while, but now I don't notice that at all because people are, like, trained in what they can or cannot say or, you know, post. So it's kind of funny just kind of seeing it, watching it grow kind of from the sidelines. Yeah, how does that come into play moderation-wise? I mean, people have different ideas about, about, hmm, entitlement versus service versus, I mean – not everybody who comes from the same town has the same idea of how we help people. So so how do you keep a group cohesive and focused and purpose-driven when everyone has such different ideologies? Right. Well, it's interesting. Um, I mean, Prosser is a fairly politically opinionated town, and it's also a fairly religious town. And uh, we started from the very beginning, no religion, no politics on this page. And most people agree with that. They're, they're relieved to find that there can exist a space on social media where that doesn't have to be a driving topic. Um, we've all been exposed to the toxicity of social media in certain circumstances and to have a place. And we, we sometimes refer to that post specifically where we'll, we'll post an update saying, um, just by, by the way, this is a 2020 election free space. Uh, there won't be any debates on here between Trump or Biden, and no one cares who you voted for. We're just going to help people today. And so a lot of times people are looking for something positive in their newsfeed that they don't have about going down that road. And since it has nothing to do with the mission, it has nothing to do with the ways in which we help people, that's pretty easy to enforce. I saw one of the posts from a couple weeks ago in the group that says, I love how you do this as well. You know, every, I don't know how often you do it, maybe every week, maybe every other week, but you had a post up here that says, you helped pay someone's rent today and brought food to another. We didn't ask who they voted for, you know? And it's like, it's just such a beautiful, who can who can argue with that, you know? And who wouldn't want to see that something that they're doing is contributing to the betterment of someone else's life? I would agree that that's definitely right in that definition of this social media for good that we are trying to really promote and accomplish. And I just love seeing it in practice that way. And then you've got 298 likes on it. Um, You know, we've got to pay big money to get that many likes on a post for our brands, (laughs) you know? So I just, I love seeing that. That's a perfect example of it. Well, thank you. Um, I I think... uh People also love the idea that they're a part of something, and I like reminding them that it's them that's doing this. I get to deliver the help, but it's their donations and their volunteers, as well as identifying the need for us that even makes it possible. And so social media for good, where you can be a part of something larger than yourself, it can come right into your homes, into your daily lives, and you can participate. And uh, in numbers, there is strength. The network is power, as I like to say. So let's talk about the logistics of the group a little little bit. I want to know how it works. So how do you actually end up getting funds that you can share with people? How do the requests come in? How do they actually fulfill those requests? Tell me a little about the logistics. So uh, we are an IRS approved charity. And so we can take donations uh, online and in person and and, uh, and use those in a, in a group sponsored bank account in order to facilitate the need when it 
calls for using funds. And the nice part about that is it means we can act quickly most times. We have resources available and there's not a lot of red tape or a lot of paperwork. The, the requests to me come in a variety of forms and it just depends usually who's asking. And so a lot of times it's over Messenger. Uh, it's a small town where most people know each other and I'm also Facebook friends with most of them too. Uh, but Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, Facebook Messenger, and a lot of times uh, just, just over the phone. And so a lot of our clients are Spanish speaking only, and most of the time they're calling me. Um, they're, they're not on Facebook and they're not following the group, but they've heard of us and the number's out there. And so it's really any way in which someone can get a hold of us. We have an email form as well uh, that gets used occasionally. We tried to plug into the community as many ways as we could so that, uh, so that we would be easy to access when they needed us. You know, as social media managers, we often have very many channels that we have to try to look at and make sure that we're answering message messages to and whatnot how how do you manage having to be responsible for all those channels and and because it's not like they're just asking questions like how are you today they're like people with legitimate needs and that's got to be a lot of pressure to have to monitor so many different channels how do you manage that both logistically and emotionally right i guess well this is our seventh year of operation and so i've gotten a little bit used to it in that this is just sort of what a normal day is like, is just bouncing between these different channels and looking at uh, the communication that I get. But uh, you're right in the sense that uh, being able to find a, a time period where you can set it all down and not engage with it for a while just to rest your brain, um, that that's a little hard to come by. People have emergencies when they have emergencies and they can't be convenient about it. Right. And so sometimes it's uh, 1.30 in the morning and sometimes it's, you know, just during the business day. And uh, we want to be as responsive as possible because we're the last resort. They haven't come to us unless they're really in need. It's a small town and most people know everybody. So, uh, so most people don't want to ask for help. If they've actually taken the step, that means they need help now, especially when it comes to food. How do you think you've been able to set yourself up as a safe space for people to be vulnerable like that? Because it does take... Ugh, I mean, a huge amount of, of courage and humility to ask. And, you know, you've got to be a safe space for people to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to ask. And it's true. Um, and part of that is just, um, I think, a reputation we've built over time. Everything that people ask us for help for is confidential. In a small town, that's absolutely essential. We, we don't talk about our clients. We don't talk about their needs. Not even my board. Uh, here's the actual names of the people that are getting help. Really? Um, really? So that's part of it is just, just keeping the town secrets. It's just not, it's not that difficult and it's absolutely essential to keep their trust. And also because it's a small town where I've taught for 30 years, many of the clients I've worked with in the classroom before, and now I'm working with their children. So when you've had a longer, uh, longer-term relationship with the community itself, um, it's a little easier to get to that point, I think. Adrian, would you say he's earned that trust? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Overall? <laughs> it's not something that's given, it's earned? Yeah. Well, I was also going to say, just like, Brett, I mean, in our in, our, in class, you're very, uh, I don't know the right word for it, is diplomatic, but also just... The right word for it is just kind of like you're very objective. You're very just like non-judgmental, like as a teacher, as, as an educator. And I think, I mean, as a teaching history and civics, to, <laughs> that's kind of a quality of a historian. You really have to be impartial to your feelings. But, but I think just like, yeah, you, you set the tone um, with everybody. And then but also you set the tone online. You know, uh, you mentioned that people you can't really 
tell when people are going to have emergencies. But with Mustangs for Mustangs, you will take a breaks, but you're very clear about that. You know, you'll post like, you know, we're taking a break from Christmas to January 9th or, you know, it's just kind of like you communicate, you create the space by, by communicating and setting those very clear and honest boundaries. And you always abide by those boundaries. And and so I think that that just modeling that and being about that all the time, it's very easy for people to trust that trust you, right? What doesn't work is when we find with social media and like brands is when they they say something, but they're no they're not about it. Like they don't do what they say they're going to do. So it's just so easy to see that trust and how not it's not easy to get, but just like it comes when you do what you say you're going to do. And that's pretty much it. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, there, there was an experience I had recently with, um, because like I said, we do get messages in a variety of forms and someone had posted on our Facebook page and it's still up there. You know, uh, I needed help a couple of years ago and I asked for help and we didn't get anything at all. So apparently Mustangs for Mustangs is really choosy about who they help. And obviously they were upset about that. And so I was like, I, I don't know who this person is. I haven't, I don't remember the, the request. Went back through my messages and sure enough, had asked for help and I had just missed it. It had just went right by me like a pitch. And it was like two years ago, right? And so in that kind of circumstance where, yeah, you're trying to build trust with a community and you have made a mistake, it's important to publicly own that, um, which we did. And we uh, we contacted, never, never heard back from the person so they're going to think what they think but uh it's yeah. a very human endeavor which which has the potential for human mistakes as well there there have to be expected you know more than just avoided they're going to come no matter what and it's about how you respond yes yeah it's very difficult yeah. when you're talking about emergency needs and you know that you didn't meet that one boy th- those ones stick with you uh it does but i mean just with social i mean with all that you can have 20 positive things happen and then like the one time you disappoint somebody or you make a mistake or even a typo is called out or I don't know something and you're like what oh no it's the one thing you focus focus goes but yeah that's what with spry we really work with our clients definitely to like you know that's kind of one thing that we really do work through with our clients like there's going to be mishaps there's stuff like that is going to happen but the most important thing is to own it publicly and not try to hide it I was actually wondering have you had to like have there been any difficult conversations that you either had to use like the hide feature or the mute feature or kick anybody out? Like, have you ever had to do that? <laughs> yeah, it's ex- it's exceedingly rare. There have been a few cases. In one particular case, and I want to be a little careful how specific I get, uh, a member of our community had died from COVID. And uh, so we had, with the family's permission, posted the, uh, uh, the obituary announcement um, to try to bring home that this is a personal safety issue, that, that COVID is real and it has taken someone from us. And someone tangentially related to the person uh, jumped on the page, said it wasn't from COVID, didn't know what I was talking about. It was the day after this person had passed and uh, the family is seeing this. And so not only did I remove her from the conversation, I removed her from the page. And I didn't r- really think there was anything else to do in that circumstance. Um, Opened a channel of communication if she wanted to talk about it. Didn't take advantage of that. But um, it's the community that you're protecting more than it is an individual. And there are egregious examples sometimes of where the communication breaks down or when there's an abuse of the community that you provided. And it's important to remember that social media isn't a 100% free speech zone, that it has purposes and boundaries, and it's okay to enforce those. Yeah, definitely. Uh one thing I was going to ask, so so that was an, an, an egregious example. 
Do you ever, have you ever worked through something with somebody where they are then allowed back in again? Like you, you said, mentioned that, that you opened the door of communication for that person, but they didn't take it. But have you ever been able to um, kind of get through to somebody about how they're supposed to communicate on the page? We resolved misconceptions or miscommunications before. That's that's pretty commonly easy. The same way you often do in a classroom. Uh, just just where someone misunderstands why you did something or how something went down, oftentimes with a parent. And once you actually get them to sit down in the room and have the conversation, everybody's fine. Um, so yes, that's definitely happened where misconceptions have been cleared up. Um, but it has been so rare. I can, off the top of my head, I can think of two people in seven years that we had to remove from the page. Um, so I think if you stay true to your mission and everybody understands what that is, it's usually not a problem. I know we have our, our schedule that we're supposed to put, uh, go through, but I'm wondering, I have a question for, for Brett that's You keep off going. Of, I'll, I'll fill script. in what we need to. Okay. Being a high school teacher and also being a citizen of the internet, <laughs> have you um, witnessed any similarities between the two and uh, how people communicate in high school scenarios? I like I uh, rumors, rumor mills, you know, what actually happened, how to dispel misinformation, being a teacher in high school, and then also looking at the uh, at like Facebook, for instance, like, are there anything that we could like take from being a high school teacher and apply to Facebook? Leading communities yeah. on social media? Absolutely. That's a great question. It is a great question. And, and add an extra layer to that, someone who started their teaching career before there was public internet. <laughs> so... No way. Uh, you... So managing... <laughs> you must have started... <laughs> managing what a classroom community is like before there is social media content and then watching as the internet develops, the Wild West where no one knows how to do this and uh, and now where it's fully integrated into your classroom and your student community. Um, and so you've really had to adjust how you had to handle both communities. But today it's definitely blended. Um, there's, there's overlap to where you can't tell the differences anymore so much. Wow. So how do we use your great teaching skills to lead our communities towards, towards social media for good instead of, you know, the way that they divert sometimes into negativity and whatnot? Well, when you say social media for good, I mean, I, I would like to emphasize the good part of this, that if, if that's what you're using your platform and social media or your business or your brand, if you're using it towards a common good, then the rest of it usually follows. Mm. If you stay focused on the purpose of helping other people, most of the rest falls into place as long as you're consistent with all of that. And so uh, I, I think most people don't realize the potential that the networks they already have uh, uh, contain in order to help other people or to alleviate situations. Um, we're always using it for pictures of cat lawyers or, or just a, a basic communication with people. But, uh, but the networks that you've built online have vast potential to alleviate human suffering, uh, to, to meet needs, and uh, just improve the society. And I would really love it if we could unlock that potential on a more widespread basis. Yeah. If only we all have the courage to ask and organize, you know. And to be about it, like in our own jobs. I mean, I, I'm in a several social media manager uh professional groups online and there's always questions and discussions that happen and I kind of jump in here and there but one question came up today and actually reminded me of, of 
you know, I thought about this podcast and uh, somebody asked a question around, it was like the, the industry, the community manager industry report, you know, how the industry reports have these like white papers and they're supposed to be super fancy and stuff. But, but basically there was some statistic that said community managers are displeased with the platforms available, you know, mm. Facebook, Instagram, whatever the platforms are to build community and they want different platforms or better platforms and then they're kind of asking what plat- what would be the perfect platform and I wrote I'm like it's not the tools <laughs> it's not the tools fault <laughs> it doesn't matter what tool you get you put you create you have to have good communication if you have good communication and you're a good leader you're going to have an awesome community whether or not you're writing letters to each other <laughs> You know, I mean, um, Brett, I mean, I'm sure you have uh, figures from history, people that, that were great leaders that did not have social media, but they managed to have amazing, um, have impact. Yeah, have a great impact. But anyway, I just get frustrated sometimes when, when people we get, we get kind of um, just lost or like we trip ourselves up. And I'm like, it's not, it's not rocket science, guys. We don't need to invent Facebook 2 or 3 or whatever. Like, just just be about your community. But I think sometimes people like to imagine how things can be easier, which is... Without taking personal responsibility for the actions they could take, perhaps. Yeah, good things are hard work, man. So, <laughs> anyway... From Adrian, well, Adrian 2021. You bring up a good, good point. It's hard work. <laughs> there, there's a perfect historical example, Adrian, that you just mentioned. Uh, back in the 1930s, President Roosevelt gets on the radio and talks to 80% of Americans and reassures them every single Saturday in a radio message, telling them things are going to be okay. He put everything in simple terms. He could relate to ordinary Americans and what they were going through. And just that once a week message using social media and radio in those days achieved the same purpose. Building a nation nationwide network towards the same purpose. Uh, it's essentially the same. Mm, I like that example a lot. I knew you'd have a good example. <laughs> you did. You just had to prompt him. That's all. <laughs> so I'm going to take us back to just one little bit on the logistics. So tell me, you know, the needs come in. You've got some funds that are consistently available. How do, how do the requests actually end up getting fulfilled uh, when somebody has that need for rent or or food or gas or what it is, how how does how do those things get fulfilled? Right. So it helps if you keep everything as simple as possible. Uh, so we don't have any employees. Nobody gets paid. Um, our overhead is about thirty dollars a month, which includes a post office box and our website. Um, and so everything else can go into the mission that we're that we're fulfilling. And so all I need to know is: Are you a resident of Prosser? Have you ever gone to Prosser schools? And are you the immediate family of someone that did? As long as I know you're in the universe, okay. I need your address, your phone number, and the need. Uh, there are some annual limits we have. We can't help everybody as much as they might need us to. Um, so as long as they still qualify and are, on, and are eligible, and it fits on our six areas of need, we can fulfill the request almost immediately. There's short amounts of paperwork to document where the funding went uh, so that people can contact them and find out auditors, that kind of stuff. But... If, uh, if I'm not super busy and backed up, it'll take, it'll take a few hours usually. Um, then we can wow. use the bank account, we can drive down, we can provide the aid immediately. Um, uh, it's really quite simple. And, and if you keep it simple and how it's organized, then you're quicker. You're just more efficient. And so people like that part as well. Like if I, if I go to a government agency and fill out the paperwork and wait to get approved, 
uh, correct the errors, and sometimes it's six weeks out before the unemployment kicks in, versus um, they're turning off the lights tomorrow. None of that's going to help me. And so if you can use your social network to, to build an efficient system, and then people come to trust you for that as well. You're the person I go to when I really need. Trust was exactly the word I was, I was thinking there. You know, when you, when you, trust is what can lead to that ongoing vulnerability, right? If, if there were too many people that had experiences where they, they didn't see the thing get fulfilled, then there wouldn't be the trust, there wouldn't be the ask, and people wouldn't feel like they were contributing to something. So as you've, as you've maintained that consistency, you've built that trust over time. I think that's probably true. And, and I also like to think of the, the people that are asking for help. And Adrian mentioned it earlier. It's, that's, a, that's a huge ask uh, to, to admit that you need this particular help. So to be able to do it in a way that's really almost invisible, the food can just show up on a porch. You don't even have to see my face. And then the food is just in the fridge and no one needs to know where it came from. You can be the hero of the family. I don't care just so that the food is there. And uh, to restore some people's dignity as well, that many people have been through this experience, so have I, and uh, to not make that be a crime in society, that occasionally you're going to need a hand, and it shouldn't be a big thing. Yeah. Do you have to teach that vulnerability in the group? You know, do you have to model it at times, or does it, has it come pretty naturally over time now? I'm not totally sure how to answer that. I think if you stay focused on your mission of doing good, it kind of occurs organically. Um, and then partly the connection that I've had in the classroom where people already knew me. Um, I wasn't just a person in an agency. They, they already had a relationship with me. Um, and then uh, I think there's probably another element to this where the stories that we do post online, the generic stories about helping someone with gas or rent today where People can just see the tangible ways in which they, they can help by being a part of this. I think that adds to people's collective understanding of what happens. Yeah. Also, I mean, also the other golden rule of marketing, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, word of mouth your friend has recommended something, you know, it's not like somebody who is desperate and they are Googling like, like, um, support in my community or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and they're Googling around, they're asking probably a very trusted person, or, um, if they don't know you already, they're going to ask somebody who's trusted because this is like you said, Brett, really difficult and painful thing that you're going through. You're going to ask somebody who you trust and they're going to, they recommend Mustangs for Mustangs. And I mean, I've seen it a few times in conversations, not even on Mustangs for Mustangs. I've seen it in my old um, you know, high school group. I've seen that happen. And, you know, it's kind of that is like the golden rule for like communication is it doesn't really matter how much you advertise, advertise, advertise something. If somebody recommends something to somebody else, that extra layer of trust is there. And so um, so you also have that. I mean, that's just why the community is so freaking powerful is that it's a very close-knit community. And there's probably an element of that that you don't even kind of witness on Mustang for Mustangs. It's like in conversations around. Yes, it is true. We, we even have a term for it in the group. Uh, this, this just happened this last week where I went to help a, a particular family in a, in a location uh, just outside of town. And uh, the next day I got a call from someone and I asked for their address and it was right next door to that particular person. And I came back twice more to this little cluster of homes 
um, where it was pretty obvious that everyone had simply said, hey, this worked. Uh, they showed up. And, uh, and it spread to the other people in the group. And so popcorn need, we call it. We're uh, are able to identify need that would never have come to the website. They've never been in the group per se. They just knew that this worked and they trusted their neighbor. And, uh, and we got to identify some more that way. So I'm I'm curious about how far the help has reached over time. So, you know, you, you've got this idea that, that your group is really regionally focused. Everyone has to have come from Prosser, have an immediate family member in Prosser. But that doesn't mean that the help is, is only in those city limits. So how far has the help that Mustangs for Mustangs, how, how far has it actually reached? Right. Well, it's farther than I ever imagined for certain um Adrian graduated a while ago from Prosser High School, but she's a Mustang, and so <laughs> wherever ago. she's lived, wherever, <laughs> hey, not as far along as I did, but uh, <laughs> where <laughs> where she's living now, she's she's in the network, um, and there's another powerful aspect of that as well that that you're a member of this for the rest of your life, whether we were friends, whether I knew you that well, you're in this umbrella, you're under this group, you're not alone, and. Uh, and so it very quickly spread. Um, at this point, after seven years, we've managed to conduct missions in all 50 states, and we just wow. finished in our 10th country, 10th foreign country. Wow. So the network is, is actually, it sounds cliche, but it's worldwide. It's worldwide. That's awesome. I know people like you who are helpers by nature and caretakers by nature, you know, you're constantly focused on the need and fulfilling the need. Do you ever take a minute to step back and look at it and, and feel really fulfilled and, and see the impact and, and, you know, be pleased with yourself? Um, it's certainly is fulfilling. Um, um, but I think maybe a more accurate word for that is compelling. And I know that if either of you were in my position or had started a similar network yourself, where you were empowered with the resources to do this work, there wouldn't be any way that you could say no. Um, so I always feel that privilege in this position, that this, this blessing that I get to be in the driver's seat and be the person that connects resource to need on a daily basis. I don't have to be helpless. We don't have to stand by. We can actually do something about that. And that is fulfilling, but it's also compelling um, to be able to build a community where you can do this every single day for the rest of your life. Wow, that's awesome. I, I think it's amazing. All 50 states, 10 countries. I wouldn't have expected that with a town like Prosser, as small as it is, and, and the impact that, that people from one area all, all you know, working together could accomplish. It's, it's impressive. I was just going to say, can I, can I give you an example as, as a, a story of a, of a client that we were able to help that exemplifies what a network can do? Um, and it was very recent. It just happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, and through one of my former board members, who is also a teacher, um, she notified me that we had a, a, a mutual former student that was in a domestic violence situation in Mexico and needed to get out. And so here we are dealing with foreign country, a place where we don't have a well-established network, um, where the laws are different. And then there was an immigration issue in that this was a legal resident, but uh, the abuser took her green card, which she needs to re-enter the United States. So <laughs> this starts about dinner time, about 6 p.m. on one particular day. And, uh, and I know this, this board member very well and, and trust her implicitly. And so I'm like, we're in. We'll do whatever we can. 
and uh, found out where she was at and a way in which to get in touch with her that wasn't uh, endangering to her situation. And uh, that very night, uh, uh, someone put her in a car and drove her through the mountains from Morelia and Michoacan to Guadalajara in Jalisco, Mexico, um, which is not an easy trip. And to go at night on those roads through those mountains in that particular part of Mexico, that's how desperate she was to leave. And so when I say the compelling part, you know, when someone is in that circumstance and you're empowered to help, how can you not? And so just by luck of the draw, by the synchronicity of the planets or whatever you want to say, we happened to have a Mustang former intern who was living in Guadalajara at the time. She's living there with her husband. And so I get in touch with her and she's, she said, her husband and I were in, we'll do whatever we can to help. And they ended up meeting them in Guadalajara the next day. We reserved hotel rooms from here. Um, we facilitated uh, contact with the consulate. Um, all things that we could do from inside my house with this network. Um, and three days later, she got on a plane from Guadalajara to Tijuana, where a relative picked her up and brought her across the border. So to be able to operate in a foreign country in a circumstance where someone's life is in danger and to have the resources to do that and just to have a, a former Mustang perfectly placed to be on the ground and helping in that situation. And uh, it's those kinds of circumstances where uh, you're like, I, I can't quit doing this work. How, how, could you, how could you turn away from future need knowing that the network can do this kind of good? And uh, today she is home in Prosser. Dang, that's amazing. That is so awesome. I've got 30 stories like, like that one. Thir yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and it's amazing to kind of like what you were mentioning earlier in the podcast about, you know, agencies, government agencies or social work or whatever. And, and, you know, the speed at which Mustangs for Mustangs like that, that happened. And then the, the speed in which it would have happened it using government resources or, you know, whatever it it's mind boggling how quickly, you know, and, and in those situations you need to act quickly, but you know, that's, that's, that's amazing. So it's obvious to see how, how the network that everyone has built and that brought together the good that can be done. The question I have is, do you think that this is unique to Prosser? Do you think that it's something that could be, that could be copied and done similarly in different communities? Or is it something that's unique to this specific area? I really don't think that Prosser is exceptional in this, this kind of way or case. Um, I believe the potential is there in almost every network that exists, including just in in business networks and uh, uh, support groups. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be just in a charity context. We have some things in our favor in a small town where people know each other very well, and uh, and it's just an attribute of this particular town that people are very giving when you're in need. But on top of that, uh, I think the potential for this kind of network exists pretty much everywhere. Um, maybe it wouldn't look exactly the same as the group that we've built. Um, maybe it would have to operate a little differently in an urban environment or uh, in, a, in a larger scale group with more people in it. Um, but the potential is, is there. So could it be copied? Absolutely it could, uh, with a lot of individual touches and, uh, and adjustments for, for on-the-ground realities. But yes, and uh, boy, would I love to see that. Just, just where this took place in other communities in a way that was as powerful for them as it has been for me. I want, I want to see it too. I, 
I can't remember if we were all talking together about this or if I was talking to somebody else. Actually, another Mustang, my friend Derek, uh, another Mustang, we were talking and chatting about county local governments. And I was thinking, I had this idea, and I was like, what if for every county we had, you know, you have your elected officials, commissioners, treasurer, auditor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You had a, you had somebody who was a digital community manager, or at least, you know, just like trying to establish, you know, what a community, online community looked like for every single uh, region. I was thinking about that. So my hat's ticket to the legislature. They're almost done. They're still doing it, but I don't know if they'll have time this season. Another former student of mine, Alana, um, uh, just lives 30 miles away in the Tri-Cities. And as soon as uh, the quarantine and COVID and the shutdown happened, she started a Facebook group just saying helping others in the Tri-Cities during COVID. And hers is, is simply a, a message board where people can post needs and connect themselves. Kind of, uh, for lack of a better comparison, a Craigslist of need where people simply post what they're looking for and other people help to direct them. And all Alana has to do is just approve what goes on the page to keep it within the parameters. So they're not an IRS approved charity. They're, they're not dealing with funding or training it's literally just using that page as a focal point uh, to address need in their community. And and that's inspiring to see. I'd love to see, Brett, you um, creating some sort of, of network, some sort of national network where you could train other community managers to run these uh, <laughs> these type of groups. I would sign up. I would come. I would do it. I'm like already coming up. What name would I use for the group in Washougal? <laughs> in your spare time. In your spare time. Please, 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 please do think about that, especially with the skill set that you have. Uh, and you probably also know people in your network that would be interested in helping with that. Uh, I... I uh, highly encourage you to do so on any level that you feel comfortable. All right. And we're going to keep highly encouraging you to just train everybody and highly encourage everyone else (laughs) so that we've just got everybody highly encouraged to help each other. (laughs) Well, one thing I know that we're going to start a support group too. Yeah, Yeah, seriously. I was going to say though, that that there's something that uh, I know they're coming up on time, but uh, something that I, I think I really want to, well, Brett, you inspire me. Uh, to do social media for good, you know, in the days when the politics is just weighing you down and or people are arguing on the internet and you're just like, gosh, I mean, I'm a social media manager, so I have to be there anyway. Um, but when you want to just check out from your own personal stuff and just not even look at it, um, it just, the that storm of the negativity is going to live on with or without me on the internet. So if I check out and don't do anything about it, it's still going to be there and nobody is standing up and and doing something good, you know? So it's kind of this, this example, Mustangs for Mustangs, like you're saying, it is replicable in other places, but it also is just, you know, really, literally anybody can do it. And we, we kind of need people to do it because social media is everywhere. Everyone has it. It's not, we're going to, we're not going to put this, it's not going to go away again, ever. So it's kind of like we have to learn how to work with it um, and, yeah, use it for good. I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, <laughs> I, I want other people to be inspired to, to contribute in this way online and not get down in the dumps about people who are cuckoo bananas online. 
so interesting. I, I, I would have thought to ask questions about how you can handle it emotionally and how you manage that, that stress, but, but it is almost the opposite, isn't it? Doing something makes you feel much better than, than not doing something. Uh, what, one of the phrases I post on a fairly regular basis is, we are not helpless in the face of need. And most of the time, people feel like they're helpless. They shake their heads. This is a horrible situation. I, I sure wish, you know, I sure wish they could uh, they could find some help, um, as opposed to finding a way to be a part of the solution. And that's that's wonderfully empowering. Now I don't have to worry about that person anymore. I know they got taken care of in the group that I'm a part of. And taking that weight out of your own mind about your community and your friends and your family um, that has its own value. It is heavy to carry around sometimes the things that you know about what's happened to people that you care about and have invested in, but it's well worth it. Well worth it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Carrying all that weight makes you a little bit stronger, doesn't it? All right. Well, um, I feel like we got everything out of this that I was hoping to. Um, So if it's okay with you, we have one question that we always ask at the end. Since we are always talking about, you know, social media managers, and you're you're a social media manager managing the group like you do, um, I like to check in on the personal level. How is your actual relationship with social media you you manage everything in the group on the side but like how are how you and social media doing you know right uh you know just as everybody probably because you're exposed to everything that's on social media um there are good good days and bad days for certain and uh people that you're sometimes disappointed in and then people that you're uplifted by but as intensively as I have to interact with social media on a daily basis and have for years, I know there's probably going to come a point where I'm completely divorced from it, <laughs> where I set it all down and and just am not engaged in that way for a while uh, to allow my brain to experience something different. Um, I like to harness everything that's good about this for sure, but uh, but at some point... Uh, I'll need to I'll need to have a diet of something else. <laughs> well, Brett, thank you so much. Adrian, thank you for thinking of Brett um, as we brought up this subject. I think this was just a very good example. And I learned so much just from from listening to you, Brett. Um, you know, I always think about how how much more difficult it would be to start doing things that, you know, that organize communities and that bring help. And, and I, th- I think about all the extra weight that it will carry. And I don't think as much about how how much better you feel when you're moving towards something with purpose. And I'm very grateful for you bringing that to us and and to our listeners, too. So thank you so much for coming and being with us. Wonderful opportunity. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Adrian. And thank you, Lacey. All right. Well, if um, any of you who are listening want to learn more about this, we have our Space Facebook group where we'll be talking about the podcast within the group. We're also going to have Brett on a panel later in the month. So you can look out for information about that and you can pick his brain on social media for good. Um, but in the meantime, we just hope you have a wonderful night. We're grateful for your time and we hope that you keep learning. We will talk to you all soon.